Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times bestselling author and pastor Jensen Franklin. Be encouraged as Pastor Jensen shares how you can discover God's best right where you are. Jensen Franklin, our guest, all one hour. Jensen, start start this conversation. I, this is one I'm looking forward to because if there is ever a conversation that needs to happen on the subject that we're about to have, it's now. Unprecedented times in the United States and the world due to all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. Jensen, start us off. Well, it's wonderful to be with you and all the people in TBN. I just thank God for this venue right now in this nation and in the world like never before the voice of God is needed. And when I wrote the book, Acres of Diamonds, I I had no idea, of course, what was coming. I had no idea that we would be in a pandemic and we would be facing economic uh, disaster potentially if, if God doesn't intervene. And yet uh, the message of the book is rock solid for times like these. I'll start out by just telling you quickly what the book is about. It's a true story uh, that a man by the name of Russell Conwell uh, went to the Middle East in the 1800s. He wanted to see the Holy Land, and he decided to hire a guide. It happened to be an Arab guide. They stayed in tents. They went by a camelback, and he saw all the holy sites in Israel. And what happened was uh, one night there was a man who, the, the guide who started telling the story that was true. And Russell Conwell took this story that he heard at a campfire in the Holy Land, put it in a booklet back in the 1800s. It sold 7 million copies. He then gave a speech about it 6,000 times, raised enough money out of the two to found one of the leading universities in America called Temple University in Philadelphia. And today there are tens of thousands of students who call Temple their, their, their college. And it all came out of this one story about acres of diamonds. You know, the, the correlation is a unique situation here. You know, if, it, if, if there was an adage, if, there, if you could, you know, simplify this book and what we get to do for this one hour, we get to unpack it as much as we can. But if there was an adage for it, it's probably uh, the grass always looks greener on the other side. Uh, there is there's something about human nature uh, that says we're not in the right situation right now. Mm. Something different needs to happen. I need I need different friends. I need different acquaintances. I need different contacts. I need different bank account numbers. I need all. In other words. There's all sorts of, you know, reasons that this book speaks to right here, right now. Start unpacking it for us. It's a timely word, Jensen. Yeah, what I, what I think people need to understand is, and what changed my life through this story, was it made me discover the potential of where I am right now. We're always saying, if I had another marriage, or I had another ministry, or I had another job, or I had somebody else's life, somebody else's opportunities, then 
my life would be different and we fail to recognize the enormous potential of what God has given us where we are. And so I think it's vital that people hear this story. The best books are books that come out of life experiences. For me, when I heard this story many years ago, it changed my life. The story of Acres of Diamonds changed my perspective and the way that I think. And so I'm going to just tell you the story real quick. And I think people will be drawn in by it because it so relates to everybody's life listening and watching this show. So what happened was there was a Arab guide who began to tell this man, Russell Conwell, this story, a true story. He said there was a man who lived in South Africa by the name of Ali Hafed. And Ali Hafed um, was a farmer. He had acres and acres of land. He worked hard by the sweat of his brow. He had a plow, he had an ox. And he got out and he worked every day. He had a meager cabin and a little family of two children and a wife. And every day of his life from sunup to sundown, he worked just to get by, just to have enough food to feed himself. And he made a good modest living and he had a pretty good life. But one day a traveler came through and told him, he said, it's a shame you have to work so hard every day because they're discovering uh, diamonds in India, and he named where it was happening, what region that it was happening in, and he said, if you could just go over there, you could reach down into a certain stream and pick up diamonds the size of rocks, and you would be amazingly wealthy. And that night, that man went to bed, Rust, and uh, Ali Hafed, the farmer, and he tossed and he turned, and he made a decision, I don't see much potential in what I've got. I don't see how I'm ever going to be able to do well for me and my family with the tools that I've been given and the land that I've been given. It's never going to produce much for me. But if I could go to India, and the only way I can do that is I'm going to sell the farm, I'm going to sell the plow, I'm going to sell the ox. Again, this is a true story. It's verified. He sold it all. He took the resources, hugged his wife, hugged his kids, set them up temporarily, and told them, when I come back, you'll be so wealthy, you'll sit on thrones, we'll be fabulously wealthy, and you'll never want for anything. He set off as a soldier of fortune. He began to go to India. He got there, found no diamonds. He ended up in Europe, found no diamonds. And he finally, in a moment of desperation, out of money, out of hope, out of dreams, in a foreign country, no way to get back to his wife and family, wrote a suicide note, there are no diamonds anywhere, and jumped into a raging stream and took his life. And that's a horrible story because the man reached such desperation that he felt there was no hope and no reason to go on living. Now watch this. The man who bought the farm took the same acreage, the same cabin, the same plow, the same ox, the same work tools, and began to plow that ground and he noticed that as he was plowing, that he had an issue that just kept happening. He had these rocks that he kept plowing up. And ever so far, every few feet, he would have to take the rocks and throw them over to the side of the field. It was so annoying. Day after day after day, he had stacks and stacks and stacks of these black rocks that would sparkle when the sun would hit them and they would show the colors of the rainbow. 
One day he hit one that was particularly large and he thought that would make a nice decoration on my little mantle in front of my fireplace. He took it back and put it on the mantle. And um, one day the local priest came by to welcome he and his family to the community. And while they're talking in mid-sentence, the priest looks up and sees this huge rock, unusual colored rock on the mantle. And he's stunned and he says, where did you get that from? And he said, oh, I got it out of the field out there. They're all over the place. And he said, you don't understand. That is a diamond in the rough. Sure enough, they took it. That first diamond was, that first rock was worth $25,000 in the 1800s. This is in the 1800s, $25,000 it was worth. It was the world's largest diamond mine discovery. The most famous diamond mine in the world to this day is the Golondo Diamond Mines. The Queen of England bought all of her diamonds in her crown from those minefields. Think about it. The man who threw himself into that river and took his life because he felt like that life had been unfair to him and he had nothing of value, never realized that he had been living in acres of diamonds. It was there all the time. It was right under his nose, but he never saw it. I think that we're in a time when people need to stop saying, if I had this, if I had that, if life hadn't turned out for me like it has, then things would be different and understand that God has placed you somewhere that is absolutely loaded with potential, loaded with His blessings. And by the way, if you have Jesus Christ, you have no idea, you cannot fathom the unsearchable riches you have in Jesus Christ. He is a provider. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. And He is one who has a plan and a purpose for your life. And He's already put in your field all that you need to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. The thing about diamonds is this. They are, it's carbon that's at least 100 feet under the earth. And the only thing that brings those carbons together to bond those is, is heat and pressure. It requires inti- mm-hmm. intense heat and pressure and time. And this is the problem. So many people want to run. They, you said it, Matt. They, they, won't, they think the grass is greener on the other side, so they leave this ministry for that ministry. They leave this wife for that wife. They leave this husband. They want another family. I want another job. And they don't stay where they are. S- success is a four-letter word. Stay. I know that there's time wow. for change. I know that there's time when we're in toxic relationships and we have to distance ourselves. We all get that. But most of the time, when intense heat and pressure comes, we see it as our enemy. We see it as the worst thing. I'm going through a fiery trial, heat and pressure. When God says the only thing that's going to bring out of your life the diamonds, the blessings, the purpose, the destiny, the calling is intense heat and pressure and you standing there long enough to not give up. Everything you're dreaming of is on the other side of not giving up. And I don't want somebody else to take the plow that God put in my hands, the mule that He gave me, the acreage that He gave me in life. Somebody else could take that same plow, 
that same land and find diamonds in it. Somebody else could take that same marriage, that same family, that same setback, layoff, that single mother can just say, I, I don't have any help, or she can realize God has given me these children and they're like a field of raw diamonds. And how do you know that those children aren't going to rise up and call you blessed like Proverbs 31 said they would do and buy you a house if you raise them right and love God? I'm telling you, your life is loaded with acres of diamonds. And what I learned is early is you can't have it without the intense heat and pressure. You can't get the diamonds of life. Nobody just gets there. When I look at people like you, some people look and say, wow, look at that ministry that they have. Look at what God has trusted them with. And what they have no idea of is what in the world, what kind of intense heat and pressure and how long. You know, I think even this pandemic, could it be that God is saying America has forgot who she is? That it's still acres of diamonds. We've got problems. We've got injustices. We've got all kinds of issues. But I want to say we're still loaded with potential. We're still acres of diamonds. And what has to happen is God has to open our eyes. You know, there's a verse in Psalms 116 that said, Open my eyes that I might see wondrous things. That means they can be all around you and you just can't see it. God has to open your eyes to potential. For me in, in ministry, what happened is I felt a calling to preach and I accepted it one night. I'll never forget it. I, I, I heard a preacher preach and you guys know Steve Brock. It was his brother, Ronnie Brock. Ronnie was preaching and it just messed me up. A teenage kid, 16 years of age. I went down to the altar. I wept and I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll preach. I didn't want to preach. I was raised in a preacher's home. I didn't want all that. It wasn't, it, I, I, I just didn't want to live that life. And to make a long story short, after I said yes, I thought, well, you know, TBN will discover me any day now. There's no telling how God's <laughs> going to raise me up. It didn't happen that way. It took intense heat and pressure. Within a few months of me saying yes mm -hmm. to the Lord in my prayer, bulls began to break out all over my body. I looked like a monster from the top of my head all the way down my body. I had a blood issue and it caused these inflamed bulls all over my body. And I remember being out of school for months and sick and there in my bedroom, depressed. I went from popular and running with the kind of wild crowd and, you know, living life like a normal 16-year-old to total isolation, total loneliness, total depression, no friends. And in that moment, the heat and the pressure, I remember crying out one night saying, God, what a joke. I said I would preach, and now I'm so embarrassed. I, I would notice the lighting in a room. I wouldn't go out in public. I would sit in the back by myself. I would go to school, and the kids would laugh at me. And it was so humiliating and embarrassing, I wouldn't go. And I learned how to do my work, and I would skip class a lot because I was so embarrassed to go into the classes. And I would go, and I got a key, a secret key to my dad's church, and I would go up in the balcony and sit under the sound booth, and I would listen 
to cassette tapes of the Word of God in that season. I had a walk with God, but I'd never had my own Bible walk with God. I'd never learned how to pray. I'd never learned how to really worship God. And in that church, by myself, God began through intense heat and pressure to teach me the Word of God. Mm. Incidentally, that same summer, I picked up my saxophone and started practicing it five, six hours a day because I didn't have any friends. I learned how to play the piano that summer in the church, on the church piano. God just made music connect for me and I could just play anything that I wanted to play. None of those gifts would have been discovered had I been out running around every Friday wow. and Saturday night with my friends. None of those things would have happened. Most importantly, to this day when I write a sermon, my mind many times goes back to those feelings of isolation that I had, those times when I hated myself, those times when I thought maybe it would be best for my life just to end. And it makes me feel for that teenager, that mom, that person going through a divorce who feels like their life is over. My heart and emotions go back to those days in my life. And I'm simply saying, if God has you in a time of intense heat and pressure, it is not to destroy you. It is preparing you for acres of diamonds. It is preparing you. Everything God promised me, He did it. He just didn't do it in the way that I thought He would do it. He actually had to prepare me. God's going to get you where He wants you to be. The question is, will you be able to stand it? Will you be prepared to handle it so that when you get it, you're not so amazed by it that you forget about the God who's been faithful through the intense heat and pressure. Mm -hmm. And some of you are crying out today, how long, O oh Lord? How long is this going to last? I remember saying that. How long? How long? It's one thing when a trial lasts a week or three weeks or six months. But any of you who've ever been in a, a battle that goes for months and months and it's intense heat and pressure and it's nerve-wracking and you don't know what you're going to do except you learn to lean on Jesus. And in those moments, Matt, that's when God opens your eyes. That's the very time when He'll flash those diamonds across the field and say, I know it doesn't look like it on the outside, mm -hmm. but on the inside, I'm preparing you for something greater than you can comprehend. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Woo! <laughs> wow. Jensen, uh, what I want you to do, just because you've, you've preached it long enough to develop just a sense of an anointing is right here, right now. Pray for the people, whatever you feel led to do, whatever you feel led to, and then we'll, we'll unpack a few more of the truths inside of this book. But I think it's time, I think people are wanting to receive right, right, right here. I so agree with that because the hard places lead to high places. Where you are right now is exactly where God wanted you to be because He is preparing you for acres of diamonds in that family, those children that you may be on drugs, maybe, Maybe, you know, during this pandemic, their issue has come more to the surface. Maybe alcohol is being abused tremendously and it's, it's breaking your heart. Maybe you've got sons and daughters who just don't even go to church and you raise them. Don't give up on, don't give up on those kids. Mm -hmm. They're acres of diamonds. 
and keep praying and keep reaching. And Father, today we bring all of the people who are in the most difficult season they've ever been. Those whose careers and jobs and businesses, they, their whole life was poured into that restaurant. Their whole life was poured into that position of, and now COVID seems to have taken it all away. I just thank you that right now you are bringing a word to them that it is not over. You're bringing a word to them right now that you bring beauty out of ashes. You bring joy out of sorrow. That we never allow the outward circumstances to define who we are on the inside. We may be going through loss and trials and discouragement and even temporary defeat. But we receive today the word of the Lord. Open our eyes. Open our eyes to see the potential, to see by faith what others don't see, to see, O oh God, all that you have for us now in this season. Open our eyes to unseen opportunities, unseen potential. Maybe somebody lost their job so they could write that book that will become a bestseller. Maybe somebody lost their job so they'd finally get the courage to scrounge up what they can and start that, that God-given genius idea of a company that will cause acres of diamonds to be released. Lord, you work in mysterious ways, your wonders to perform. And God, we agree together for the people now, those who are brokenhearted, those who are lonely. May they see, may their eyes open to who Jesus is. We've got you right in the middle of it all. We're living in acres of diamonds, Jesus, because of you. Amen. Jensen, I want you to um, unpack the analogy that seems to be prevalent in this book between the diamond and the person of Jesus. In the story that you were telling of the man in the 1800s, he was passionate about wanting to find diamonds. And we have that. Make the correlation between the diamond and the person of Jesus. Yeah, you know, um, the, the title of the book can be deceptive because it sounds like it's just some kind of prosperity book and uh, we need prosperity, but that's not what it is right now. What this book about is about is real life, real life. But it is in the Bible. Let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son is living in the father's house and he has everything he can ever imagine. But he goes to the father and he says, give me my inheritance. I don't want this life. I'm sure he had some friends who were saying, man, out there, they're really living. Out there, there's a party going on. Out there, the girls and the, and the drugs and the party and the club, it's all out there. And he left what he had in search of acres of diamonds. And when he had spent all searching, he tried everything you can imagine. And he left him empty and he ended up in a pig pen. And he came back to the father's house only to discover that everything he was looking for was right under his nose in the father's house. And you and I have seen it happen, and it's happening to some of the viewers' families. Teenagers hit that season in life where the world starts to sparkle and everything out there looks so much better 
than what's in the kingdom and what's in church and what's in the Word of God. And there comes this thing on young people that I want to live. I want to party. I want to be like Hollywood. I want to know that wild life, that fun life, only to go out and it uses people up. Sin fascinates and then it assassinates. Sin thrills and then it kills. Sin takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. And when they come back addicted, broken, and hurting, the testimony of millions is, I was raised in church, I was raised by godly parents, and it took me a journey of intense heat and pressure, but I'm back and I'm never leaving the Father's house again. See, Jesus is the acres of diamonds. I love this story, and I want you to lean in on this one. There are three crosses on a place called Mount Calvary. Three. Jesus is in the middle, and there's a thief on the right side and a thief hanging on the cross on the left side. One of those thieves turns, and he sees Jesus, the blood, the crown of thorns, the agony, the lips that speak, Father, forgive them. And he sees nothing but trash. And that thief says, I curse you. He cursed Jesus and he died and went into eternity. Now watch this. A man on the other side of the cross sees the exact same picture. He sees the blood. He sees the crown. He hears the words. But he sees a diamond. They're both looking at the same thing. Hmm. One sees trash. One sees treasure. One of them has his eyes open. One of them sees nothing. And when he says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me, Jesus said, this day I'm taking you into acres of diamonds. This day you'll walk on streets of gold. This day you'll be the first to go through the pearly gates of heaven washed under the blood of the Lamb. You're going with me when I go through into my kingdom. It all happened because of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've got Jesus, I may not have everything that somebody else has, but boy, if I've got Jesus, I'm living in acres of diamonds. Not when I get a better car, not when I get a better house, not when everything's perfect in my life, not when my business is going through the roof, but if you have Christ in your life, listen, we all go through trouble. I want you to know that when you're in trouble, everything is better with Jesus, including trouble. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, especially when we're in a time of trouble and heartache. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. Lead people to Jesus. Let's get them started in that acres of diamonds. Why don't you write where you are if your eyes are being opened? If you're seeing, if you're seeing right now the need for a change in your life, just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Wash me, cleanse me, forgive me, help me with my weaknesses. I'm calling on you. I'm crying out to you in Jesus' mighty name. Ask him. He'll hear you. He said, if you call on my name, say that name, Jesus, he'll come. He'll come in a hospital room. He'll come in a prison. He'll come in that apartment, that house. Just open your heart. He is your acres of diamonds. 
Jensen, you know, you were talking earlier about how this book applies to someone that needs to stay and, and you know, in this intense pressure and heat season. Mm-hmm. We're all in a season like this. And, you know, there, there's, there's a unique angle that I thought about when you were uh, preaching this just a little bit ago. My dad woke up every day for nine years fighting a lawsuit in the FCC that woke him up with a gut-wrenching, gnawing feeling inside of his life for nine years, fighting TV and the pressure, the intense pressure, the heat of what that was. My dad told me that many days he thought he was the responsible party that would have, in essence, lost TBN to a competitive application. And it's a huge, long story. It'd take forever to, to tell you what it was, but it's, it's, it, in, in hindsight, it was really kind of a silly issue, really. That issue got fought into court through the FCC and went all the way to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, the... Next step is the Supreme Court of the United States, which would never have heard a case like this. And so this was it. That judge panel, three administrative law judges, completely reversed, ruled in TBN's favor, and then added a very unique kind of lawyer term. A writer was attached to the decision, which vacated the issue. Jensen. Expunged. It, yeah, expunged <laughs> it. It, it, it. It was vacated. Yeah. It never happened. Like it never, yeah. Okay. If you go to the deep, dark recesses of the annals and the paper files, wherever they are kept, of the FCC, the matter that caused my dad nine years of gut-wrenching pain didn't even exist. It did not happen. Mm. He could have lived every day... Free. For nine years, yeah. free, yeah. living with what he already had. The outcome was set, okay? So in addition, there could be some people living in angst and worry and depression. and fe- the, 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 Their answer is already here, and they just don't know it yet. Kind of take that and go with it just for a minute. One of the stories that we talk about, and, and by the way, I remember those days. I was, I was watching TBN during those days when your dad would occasionally, he couldn't talk about it a lot because it was in litigation. Right. But I remember those days. I remember behind the scenes coming on the show sometimes with your parents, and they would talk to me on the side about some of the things that they were going through. Hmm. We have no idea the kind of pressure people live are living under sometimes and yet look what God has done look at where TBN is going today in nations around the world that have never been touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ but it was part of that intense heat and pressure but one of the stories that I talk about in the book was a dear Abby story that was pretty it's pretty amazing story dear Abby was a columnist who used to write in major publications years ago. She's dead now. But she told this story. It's a true story. 
she said that there was a um, there was a father and a son, and the mother had passed away. The son was very close with the with the with the mother, and when she died, there the business the dad was a businessman, very successful businessman, very wealthy, and he allowed most of his time to go to the to the business. So the father and son kind of drew apart through the through the years. Finally, it came time for him to graduate from college, and he began to, you know, yearn for a relationship with his father, so he made a, a greater effort to kind of bridge, and he started coming back home more and more, and that senior year, he had never asked for anything from his extremely wealthy father, but he said, Dad, there is a certain sports car that I've noticed, and he told where it was, and they even went and looked at it, and he said, I'd love to get that for my straight A record through school and college, graduating top of the class. You asked me what I wanted. I want that sports car. Well, he graduates from college. His father's there. The day of the graduation, the father asked him over to his mansion. They're sitting. This is a true story. They're sitting in his beautiful office. And the father takes a wrapped package and he pushes it across the desk. He said, I, I got you this, <laughs> this gift for your graduation. You know, it's not what he was really wanting. And he wanted him to take him out to the garage or, or out in the front of the, with a big mm -hmm. car with a bow on it. But instead, it's a, it's a package. And he wraps it, un, unwraps it, and tears it open, takes the lid off, and it's a Bible. It's a Bible with the boy's name engraved on it. Well, now the boy just loses it. And... He, he says, he looks at his father and he says, you've never been very religious except for the last year of your life where you talk about Jesus all the time. Takes that package with the Bible in it, never pulls it out of the box, shoves it across the desk. He gives his dad an earful and storms out, never comes back to see his dad for over a year. He meets a girl. He goes out and does good in business, uses his father's contacts, and, and does very well, meets a beautiful girl, marries her, doesn't invite the dad to the wedding, and finally he has his firstborn son. And when he starts to realize that how precious that child is, he begins to yearn to bridge uh, the relationship with his father. And here's the, here's the point that I'm getting to. He decides to surprise his father and loads his little family up with his newborn son, and they go across states to get back to where the father is and tragically the father died of a heart attack during the process of the trip when he gets there he's heartbroken and everything that he had his father willed over to him all of the masses of wealth and the mansion and everything that he had he walks in to the study and he's broken and he looks up and he sees up on a shelf that very package that his son, that his father gave him for his graduation. He takes it down. He opens up the box. He grabs the Bible. It's, it's marked on a page that says, if you know how to give, give good gifts to your father or your kids, how much more will your father give good gifts to you? He grabs it. He's emotional. He's holding the Bible and weeping, missing his father, and something drops out of the back of the Bible. It's a key. It's a car key. He reaches down and he realizes it's the key to the sports car. Sure enough, he goes out in the garage and there under a dusty cover 
is the car that had been sitting there all those years. His father gave him exactly what he had asked for. He didn't recognize it because of the wrappings that it came in. God will give you exactly what you ask for in His will, but the problem is it's not going to come packaged in the way that you think it's going to come. God gives strangely wrapped gifts to His children. Ask Joseph. He's thrown into a pit. He said, you're headed for a throne, but it's a strange wrapped gift that he ends up with. By the time he's accused of false things and goes through hell, then he ends up at the top. God, the Father, will give you exactly what He's promised you, but it usually will show up in strangely wrapped gifts. Same story with Job and the same story with you and I. So don't be like that boy and shove back a package. That's how I feel about this COVID situation. This hadn't caught God by surprise. He's not up in heaven sucking his thumb in the fetal position at the bottom of the throne saying, I can't believe the world is wrecked by... God says, I've given you a strangely wrapped package, but in it are acres of diamonds. In it, I'm going to advance my kingdom. In it, I'm going to raise you and I'm going to put you in positions of power and influence that you could never have gotten had you not gone through the intense heat and fire. So I just really feel today day that sometimes we feel like David felt in 2 Samuel 3 and verse 39. He said, I am this day weak, but I'm still anointed. And some of you need to hear that. You may feel weak in the flesh, weak financially, weak when you look at what you're facing, but you are this day anointed and what God has promised He's going to bring to pass. And there are acres of diamonds coming in your life if you won't give up. So good. Pastor Jensen Franklin, uh, We've been knowing each other for probably, oh goodness, uh, several decades now. Uh, a common friend, Pastor Tommy Barnett, walked you into my office one time. We started doing some TV together. Decades, years, decades and years later, we're still sitting here in 2020, August, we're doing TV together, okay? So basically, I, I know you pretty well. And what I want you to do is unpack this strangely wrapped present. Well, earlier when we talked today, you mentioned about one of the stories in the book about Steve Wynn. He's a billionaire. And Steve Wynn, um, you know, is responsible for building a lot of Las Vegas most famous hotels. Well, he is also an art collector and he had an, a piece of art that he wanted to get. And he bought it. It was called uh, The Dream in French. The Dream. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? The Dream. And to make a long story short, he put it in the lobbies and everybody celebrated. And he had a party because he sold it five years later. He bought it for $50 million and sold it for $135 million. I just want one of those deals in my lifetime. But uh, he sold it and made <laughs> it that much Picasso. money. And he had a it was a Picasso. That's exactly right. And so we had a party in Las Vegas the last night before the new owner took possession of that painting. And it meant something to him emotionally, the dream. And so while he had it on the stage, he has an eye problem and he lost his balance and accidentally stumbled and fell and his arm went through <laughs> the $135 million dream painting. 
And of course, the person who wanted to buy it said, I don't, I withdraw my offer. And it looked like the dream was tattered and torn and worthless. But he took it, he got it worked on for a year by an art surgeon, and a year later, he puts it up for sale. And after it had been torn, tattered, and destroyed, the same man who offered him $139 million came back after it had been torn and gave him $155 million. The point is, it was worth more after the dream was torn than it was worth before it went through the storm. I believe that's going to be true for your business, for your family, for your home, for your life, and for this nation, and for the world, that God is up to something. He said, I will restore the years the canker worm and the locust are trying to steal from you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. We're living in acres of diamonds. Cling to Jesus. We're going to get through this with great victory. You know, I love it because the devil always overplays his hand, and now he's made everybody mad. <laughs> and I love it. I can't wait to hear you when, uh, when you come back full throttle. This is, this is good, Jensen. And uh, the people need to hear it and have hope and have hope in the waiting and the staying power. I love it. And your book is just so good. So many beautiful stories, so much hope and healing and um, encouragement. And I love it. Well, I just pray today that people understand that God has a plan and it's still being enforced in your life. And what the enemy meant for our evil, God is turning it for our good. I believe it. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.